Hello and welcome to the MB Om podcast, where you will learn to master the business of yoga with guests from around the world who have experienced becoming successful yoga teachers, studio owners, and much more. Now, here's your host, Amanda Kingsmith. Hello and welcome to another episode of the MBM podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Ceteris. You heard all about Ceteris on last week's episode of the podcast, but in case you missed it, Ceteris is a cloud-based accounting company based out of Charleston, South Carolina. And the reason why I love Ceteris is that Ceteris specializes in accounting for yoga studios and takes care of all of that work for you. As yoga teachers, we know it's super, super important to focus on what we do best teaching yoga and leave things like accounting and bookkeeping to the professionals. One of the great things about Ceteris is that it's built on top of QuickBooks online and it integrates with MindBody online. What more could we ask for? Some of the key benefits of working with Ceteris is that your accounting and bookkeeping should be done for you by a team of experts who know accounting for your business inside and out. They also have benchmarked reporting. Small business entrepreneurs can operate better businesses when they can compare their financial performance against peers in their industry. They provide peer benchmarking within franchise brands to optimize entrepreneurs' insights. Another great thing about Ceteris is that it's a team and not a person. With a team of experts behind you, you should never worry about what happens if your accountant goes on vacation. Oh, and did I mention that Ceteris is also willing to work with your current CPA, so you don't really even have to change much about what you're doing right now. To learn more about Ceteris's yoga accounting and benchmark reporting solution, please visit www.ceteris.com forward slash M-B-O-M-M-B-O-M. If you sign up through MBOM, you're going to get 50% off your first two months. So I hope that you take advantage of that and that you enjoy the benefits that Ceteris has offered to us today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Yoga Boss Babe. I am so, so excited to have Yoga Boss Babe as an official sponsor of the podcast because not only do I love what they're up to, but I've also had an opportunity to work with Liz, who is the founder of Yoga Boss Babe in a couple different capacities had the opportunity to be one of the online workshop teachers running a course on websites. And I was also the spotlight teacher last week. And it's been so inspiring being in on their private group, getting to read everyone's thoughts on the book club and so much more. I'm also super excited to announce this today because Liz is our guest for the podcast. I'll tell you more about that in a second, but more on Yoga Boss Babe for now. If you haven't heard of Yoga Boss Babe, you definitely should. It's a monthly lifestyle subscription box for passionate and motivated female yoga entrepreneurs who want to build and grow their businesses. Each month, you receive a box of goodies to keep you on track and feeling inspired with your business. This includes workshops, books, and other awesome products to help you with your business and keep you feeling inspired. For more information about Yoga Boss Babe, please visit www.yogabossbabe.com and use promo code MBOM15 for 15 15% off your first box. All right, now it's time to dive into today's episode of the podcast. I'm almost turning into the Tim Ferriss show here with so many ads, but I hope that you're enjoying the sponsors of the podcast. It's really, really amazing to be able to connect with these awesome companies who are really trying to offer great deals and products and services to the yoga world. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend checking them out and seeing if it's right for your business. So today on the podcast, I have Liz Nguyen here from Yoga Boss Babe. And I was so, so, so excited to chat with Liz because we've been 
friends for a little bit and we've been in contact and we've kind of been following each other's businesses. And it was really awesome to sit down with her, her and hear about her teaching story, what she's learned as a yoga teacher, what inspired her to create Yoga Boss Babe and so much more. So without further ado, here's Liz. I'm very excited to be joined on the podcast today by Liz, who is the founder of Yoga Boss Babe. Liz, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited that we've had the chance to connect and that we've been able to collaborate together and work together a little bit. And now I'm really excited to be able to share what you do with my audience. Perfect. I'm so excited to um, share my experience with your audience and to see how um, I can help your audience better their business um, journey. Yeah, definitely. So I want to talk about, you know, what you do at Yoga Boss Babe, where that idea came from, what you've learned through that whole process. But I think a good place to start is to back up a couple years and talk about uh, how you first got into yoga. Of course. Um, so I think I started in 2012 or 2013. And um, my friend and I actually found a Groupon for a local yoga studio. And we decided just to go. And it was a power vinyasa class. And from that first time that I went, I absolutely fell in love. Um, I just kept going to classes. And at the time, I I wanted to find a, a good way to exercise to get that routine in. But I really hated the gym. So once I found that one uh, vinyasa class, uh, I fell in love instantly. I just kept going. It motivated me to stay um, healthy and to stay fit. Um, so I stumbled upon a different yoga studio called Core Power Yoga, and um, I fell in love with that studio instantly. It's a hot power vinyasa studio, um, and I I took classes there for about six months, and I decided to do my teacher training there for a 200-hour power vinyasa training, and that's when um, I started teaching. And shortly thereafter, I enrolled in Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, their yoga therapy program in 2000, uh, I think it was 13. Um, I studied there for two years and I got certified as a yoga therapist there. Um, and after that, I opened up a corporate yoga business um, serving around Orange County and San Diego to companies that need or want to have yoga as part of their daily routine. Um, and I did that for about a year and I started Yoga Boss Babe after that. Um, and this was my vision for Yoga Boss Babe was just to kind of inspire and motivate yoga instructors, um, to kind of get their name out there because I, I had a lot of challenges after I did my, uh, teacher training. So I just wanted to kind of share my experience and kind of, um, in that process, help other teachers build their businesses as well. Amazing. That's such an awesome story. It sounds like you did all of that like very quickly. Yes. So when I first started to fall in love with yoga, I researched everything that I could do with yoga and how I could turn that into, into a career. Um, while I was in college, I wanted to become a pharmacist or even a physician assistant. So I kind of knew I wanted to help people in the medical field. And so I found the program uh, for LMU's yoga therapy online and um, I set that as a goal after I finished my 200 hour training I would just continue on to that program right afterwards um, and from there I kind of just it kind of just sparked different ideas of where to take yoga afterwards 
Yeah, that's really cool. I've seen like core power, I mean, all over the place, um, but I've never actually taken a class from them. I have looked into their teacher, teacher training though. It seems like it's like a pretty good program. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like what that teacher training was like? Sure. Um, for me, it was, it was a right crowd on the right community. If that's a better word, if that's, if that's a better way to say it. Um, I've, I took a couple of different classes at different yoga studios, which I didn't really connect with. But for me, Core Power was kind of, it became like my second home. Um, the the people I took teacher training with, like I just instantly connected with. And it was um, such a supportive community where the second I walked through those doors to the studio, I just felt at home. Um, so it was great for me to have that support system. Um, and going into the teacher training aspect of it. Um, we just had, we met up a couple times a week to dive into the actual yoga philosophy and the asana practice. Um, and through that, we just learned so much about each other. And I still am very close friends with some of my classmates from my first 200 hour teacher training, which is amazing because it's been about four or five years and we still talk on a regular basis. So that's really amazing that I've had that connection, um, through those, I think it was what eight weeks that uh, the training program was. So um, just a whole experience for me. It was great. Um, I would say that hot yoga isn't for everyone, but for me it was great because I needed an outlet for my mind because my mind was always racing. And I felt like the traditional type of yoga where you kind of hold um, pose for a very long time, it, it made me more um, aggravated in a way where I just, my I, my patience was being tested because I wasn't moving enough. But with uh, the heated power yoga, I was moving constantly, getting that energy out. Um, and just right after the class, I just felt so amazing. So that's why I am so in love with those types of classes. Yeah, definitely. I can relate to that as well. I think maybe like a little bit less now that I have like more of a regular yoga and meditation practice. But when I first came to yoga, I was very much like super busy and I was working corporate. I guess I was in university when I first did yoga, but then working corporate job when I was like really practicing. And I feel like I really needed like to work really hard and like expel that energy so that I could like get into Shavasana and be like, wow, this is really nice. And like my mind is feeling kind of clear right. now. Exactly. Exactly. Like right after Shavasana, I just, I felt like such a, like on a, on a high. Um, and I felt like so powerful and motivated that I was just, it just got me coming back to classes. And I just love that about yoga. And so after that, you did this yoga therapy program at LMU. What was that program like? Two years I was at LMU for the yoga therapy program was such an amazing experience. It's led by Larry Payne and he has a bunch of different um, experts in the field come in and they actually, he actually has medical doctors come in as well. Um, and the way that the program is set up is really interesting. So the whole program is four years. Um, so the first year, which is level one, it's held on the first weekends of the month and level two, the second year it's held on the second weekend and so forth. Um, so it's, it's a really great program for people who have day, day jobs or, um, don't have a lot of time. Um, in my class, there were people who actually flew in from Boston, Las Vegas and Phoenix every time that we met. So it was, it fit into their schedule really well. Um, it, the program itself taught a lot about the anatomy and how um, it works with yoga. And it's just 
a great program to marry the marry Western medicine with Eastern medicine because when the doctors came in, we would get the medical side of what we were learning, um, and then the day before we would learn about the actual yoga process of it and how that affects our body. And then it was great to kind of see it come together with um, Western medicine and see how that works and how that ties into what we're doing with now in society. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Um, It's so interesting that there's a university offering, you know, that type of program, because I feel like it's really, really uncommon to hear about, you know, universities integrating with, you know, yoga studies. Yeah, um, what's actually more interesting is that Loyola Marymount is a private Catholic school. So even more so that they're offering um, a yoga class or yoga program, um, they have a a section of like spirituality and um, kind of more like religious aspects of the school. But um, the yoga portion of it, it's fairly new. It's only about a couple years old, but they've been very supportive um, in it and it's been growing every year. So that's really great. And I I love that it's at a university. So it gives the program a little bit more credibility than if it was just at um, a yoga studio. So no matter where you take yoga therapy programs at, um, there's a higher body that kind of oversees everything sort of like yoga Alliance with um, yoga or registered yoga school. So they kind of handle everything there. So with yoga therapy, there's a new body called international Association of Yoga Therapists, and they're the ones who actually um, credit these programs and everything. So if you are interested in doing yoga therapy, I would suggest that you go to a an IAYT accredited school to do that. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's really good to know about. Um, I didn't know that that even existed. So that's really, really interesting to hear about. Uh, and you mentioned when you were talking a little bit about, you know, your story and your background that you created Yoga Boss Babe because you were having challenges after your teacher training. And I know that that's like the exact same reason that I created MBOM. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you experienced after your teacher training. Sure. Um, so a little bit more about my background. I have a business degree from Cal State Fullerton. Um, so I have business experience or actually like the education that, that backs it up. Um, so I believe that every yoga teacher in one way, shape or form is their own entrepreneur only because it's very different than going to let's say like a nine to five job where you just go to, go to work and go home. Um, as yoga teachers, we have to kind of look for our own classes, kind of brand ourselves, kind of market ourselves out there, um, and just kind of be our own advocate. So I feel that is very similar to business people and entrepreneurs. Um, so one of my challenges was to find different classes to teach. I remember when I first graduated the 200-hour program, I really didn't know where to start. And a lot of teachers ask me that too. A lot of new teachers come up and ask me when I was teaching, how do I get these classes? How do I, you know, do I just go into these studios to see if they have classes to teach? Or how do I get it in touch with something like that? Um, I had the same problem. For me, I, I was lucky enough where um, I went to a gym and they were just, they were actually looking for a yoga teacher. So I was hired pretty much immediately because of the need. Um, and that's also one of the reasons why I uh, founded Corporate Yoga Business too, was because I wanted to also give teachers a way to 
expand their classes as well. Instead of just teaching at the studio, I wanted to offer them um, in a corporate setting where these people who are sitting in front of computers all day would need it the most. And um, it's been such a it's been such a journey seeing the transformation of these workers um, just being more relaxed at work and being more uh, productive at work. So it's it's great to kind of see their journey on that as well. Yeah, definitely. I could not agree with that more. Like I came from same background, like educated in business and then entered the yoga world and was like, oh, like people don't seem to know how to make jobs or make a sustainable income. And I feel like there really is a need in the industry to have resources out there for, you know, people, because I feel like in and 200 hour yoga teacher training is like, it's great that it gives you this kind of basis, but I feel like you can't cover everything. Um, it's just not enough time to like right. teach somebody how to actually stand in front of a room and guide people safely through the different poses and teach them how to run their business. Um, I feel like it's just, it's not right. enough hours at all. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I, I don't blame these programs for not teaching um, the business side of it, just because like you said, it's such a short program in the big aspect of it because it's only 200 hours. But um, every time there was like a business module, no one would be listening and everyone was kind of bored. And I, I kind of agree because it's not like yoga teachers don't want to learn about business because it's kind of, it's not, it doesn't align with yoga teachers. If you would agree with me, they don't want to run a business or they think that business is this big, different corporate. It's like corporate in a way when they don't just want to do that. So that's why I created Yoga Las Vegas to kind of um, bridge the gap between yoga and business to kind of make it fun and learn how to grow your business at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I I mean, I think that we're on the, the same page with that. Um, I, I think you bring up a good point to you where you know, yoga teachers often don't come to the yoga world because they're super stoked on this idea of like creating a business. And I don't think that that's all yoga teachers. I think that that's just some, I know that there was somebody in my private Facebook group today who said like, you know, I just really want to be a yoga teacher. She's like, but it's really hard to just be a yoga teacher when I don't know how to like market myself or get people to like know about my classes. And it's like, once people are in the door and on the mat, it's like, she can do her thing. But it's like, how do you actually get people knowing who you are? and coming to your classes. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of what teachers need to learn. And it's like really hard to teach that when you're trying to teach them so much anatomy and so much philosophy and so much breath work and like, et cetera, et cetera, in just this small amount of time. Right. I totally agree with you. And one of the things that I learned in business school was that um, the thought of if, if you build it, they'll come. And that's what a lot of people have the idea of. Um, you can have a great idea, but you also have to learn how to market that effectively because if you, it's not going to happen. If you just build it, they'll come. It's, they, they won't know about you. So you kind of have to expose yourself and get your name out there as widely as you can. And, um, and even if you do that effectively, the first time that they see you, they're not going to go immediately to your classes they kind of have to kind of get to know you get to know your personality kind of know you as a teacher and if you connect with them then they'll probably come and try your class and then once they um, experience your class and they feel a connection with you then they'll that's when they'll start coming and telling your friends about it and everything too so it's it, there's a whole process along with this so um, I just wanted to kind of expose that to yoga teachers and it's not that easy to get classes right after you teach and it's 
it's such a long process after that. Um, I don't want to um, scare anyone away because it's such a fun process. And once you have your community, once you have your following, it's it's so um, you're you're so grateful for everyone, all your students. It's very inspiring to see to hear their stories as well. So yeah, definitely. I think that, and maybe tell me if you disagree with this, but uh, it seems like maybe with the influence of social media, it can kind of get into people's heads. Like, okay, I'm going to like go create an Instagram account and I'm going to be like Insta famous. And then I'm going to be like teaching workshops and retreats around the world. And I'll like, you know, go to Costa Rica and lead a teacher training or whatever. And I feel like, you know, there are lots of yoga teachers doing that kind of stuff. And I think that the important thing to note with that is that they've been working really hard at it for a long time. Like it doesn't just happen overnight. And I think it can be the type of thing where yoga teachers can kind of get it in their head that like, oh, this is going to happen really fast. And it's actually a lot of work and it does take time. And like you said, it takes time to, you know, build up your students and your following and gain their trust. And then you can slowly like work them through that sales funnel after that. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that, especially with Instagram nowadays where teachers would just kind of do really cool poses on, on the beach or wherever it is. And those are great. Um, and that's one way to get a lot of follower, followers. But if you're going to teach at retreats and doing all these different events, um, my suggestion would be to kind of build up your name first, to build up your community, get really um, good at what you do. And then with that, you take the next the next step and have a retreat and see how that goes. Um, and then your followers will kind of follow you around. I think that would be for me, that's what I would do if I was going to go down that route. Um, because if you just kind of put your name out there right after you're done teacher with teacher training, no one's really going to know who you are or what you're about. Um, so with that whole branding in the business, you kind of have to brand yourself first, build that personality for yourself um, get known, get your name out there. And then people will kind of naturally flock to you if they feel that connection with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then I think something else with that, that is, is important for people to remember is like, it's okay if somebody comes to your class and they don't necessarily, you know, love your teaching style, or maybe some, the things you say don't resonate with them, because I think that that's why there's opportunity for all of us as yoga teachers is that we're all going to resonate with different students and the things we're saying and the way that we teach is going to be, you know, unique to us and different people are going to want something different out of their teachers. Yeah, I totally agree with that statement too. Um, one of the things I was struggling with after I finished teacher training was, oh my gosh, I don't sound like her or I want to be like this teacher who's amazing and no one's going to like me or my classes. But when I started teaching, I I found a following, and I was kind of um, not surprised, but kind of it, it humbled me in the way where I was like, okay, well, I have something to give back to these people, and these people like what I'm doing, so they they keep coming back. And um, like what you mentioned, you're not going to make everyone happy, and that's just kind of un, an unrealistic goal to have. Um, think of yourselves as a student and taking these yoga classes and you're not going to like every single yoga teacher that you're taking classes from. So you can't take it personally. And it's, it might be um, the way that they teach or their voice or something that just doesn't resonate with you. And that's completely fine. You can't take it personally. Um, Just be really 
proud of who you are and be and just be authentic about where you're teaching from and you'll have your followers you'll have those people who resonate with you um and just with you amanda we kind of are in the same aspect of offering um entrepreneurship courses and um, guidance to yoga teachers, but we're doing it in a different way. And I love that we're collaborating because it's not, it's really not about competition because the more we collaborate, the more we can expand. And if someone doesn't um, resonate with what I'm doing, they might resonate with what you're doing. And that's like the biggest, that's what we're after. Like that's what the goal is. And not just, we're not just in it for the money or the sales, but we really want to help the yoga teachers like kind of expand um, and that's what I feel my goal is. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. Oh, yeah. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. You know, we've kind of talked offline a little bit about this, but, you know, I was telling you how there's other people who are in the yoga podcasting space. Um, I've had a couple of them on the podcast. And every time I get to connect with them, it's not to me about like, oh, you're doing the same thing as me because they're never going to be doing a hundred percent the same thing as me. And I mean, there's like hundreds of thousands of yoga teachers. Like if I was going to come into it with the mindset of, I don't want anybody competing with me, I'm probably in the wrong industry to start with. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. And I think there's so much that can be learned from each other too. Yeah, totally. And for me, that was one of the, the biggest challenges was to forget about competing against another teacher because that was just that's I think that's just in our nature where we see this other teacher she has or he or she has so many students going in that class and maybe they like him or her a lot better than me or whatever the issue is right but it might not be the teacher but it might be the timing fits their schedule better so they are able to go to that class where your your classes are in the middle of the day and they can't um, so there's so many different factors and reasons why a student will go to one class over the other. And most of the time it's not because of um, they don't like you as a teacher, because I, I feel like it, it takes a lot to completely not resonate with a student. So I feel like there's so many different factors into what your following is. And like I, like I said, the timing of your classes, um, if it's early in the morning or late at night and everyone else has their own lives to kind of, um, to live and it's just how they fit yoga into their schedule too. So, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I definitely agree with that. I'm curious about the corporate yoga, yoga business that you started. Like, um, you said that the idea kind of came from, you know, talking to other students or other teachers when you were a new teacher and wanting to have something where you could offer something more unique. Um, can you talk a little bit more about this business that you created? Sure. So um, it was after I finished my yoga therapy training from LMU, and um, I I actually do medical billing um, uh, for my day job. And for me, sitting in front of the computer and just typing away, it really took a toll on my body. My neck and shoulders always hurt. My lower back hurt. I just I didn't have the proper posture to sit all day. And I and being a yoga instructor, I can <laughs> I can guiltily I can say with a guilty conscience or I don't know how else to say that, but I forget to get up and stretch mm-hmm. every hour or however um, it is. And it's, I have, a, I actually have a reminder on my phone to get up um, and move around a little bit. But you know, when you get into, if when you're in, when you're working and you're getting into something really deep, you kind of just want to power through it and you don't want to get up because you'll lose your train of thought. You just kind of want to finish it before you do anything. And then before you know it, 
you're doing, you're onto something else. And before you know it, it's the end of the day. You haven't gotten up for a couple hours. So for me, it took a big toll on my body. And um, I felt that was a huge necessity in the in the corporate world and businesses and offices because that's basically how everything is set up. A lot of times, um, businesses they just kind of focus on productivity and um, but nowadays there there are some companies are coming up and they're more more so startups and the younger businesses where they're more likely to offer uh, wellness classes and gym classes and yoga classes. So um, I wanted to offer that into their offices and bring yoga teachers on site and have their employees come and do yoga in like a conference room or outside in the park just to get out there and just stretch out for, you know, 45 minutes, 15 minutes. And it creates such a difference in their day that they are more productive and they get sick less. And in, in, in return for that, they don't take as much sick time. And for the company, if they don't use sick time or if they don't use their insurance policy, then their the company's insurance premium will go down after a year. So that's a benefit for them as well. Yeah. I cannot agree with that more. And I think like, so I spend like most of my day at my computer. So my boyfriend and I were actually just talking about this morning, um, how, you know, he's like, you know, I was working at this, this office that we have in this Airbnb we're staying at. And he's like, I was able to get up and do some stretching and some yoga and then go back to work. It's like, it's so nice. Um, and it, I think it's really easy when you're like working on a project that you kind of get like more and more into it. And then you're like more and more hunched into it. And then <laughs> before you know it, you've yeah. been sitting in the same position for like two hours and you literally have not moved. And yeah, right. I think that there's definitely a need for that. Like I even, I have to remind myself personally, I'm like, okay, get up, walk around, refill your water, like <laughs> stretch a little bit. <laughs> Um, well, for me, um, since I work from home, I have I have dogs at home. So every couple of hours, I have to go outside and walk them. So that's my reminder. Um, if I didn't have them, I would probably just be sitting all day in in the in my chair and just kind of hunched over, focused, and just I need that break. And even though I feel, oh, I'll say that walking the dog is kind of a distraction, um, but I think overall it helps me actually get out moving because. I'm out there walking the dogs for about maybe half an hour. And it's such a, it's such a good break just to go outside, um, take a nice walk, get some fresh air. Um, and then when I come back, I'll do some stretches to kind of just open up my shoulders and my neck. I, I hunch over a lot and that's what I'm working on to kind of uh, fix my posture. So I'll add in some couple of stretches there and then just kind of get back to work. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. That, that actually helps my productivity too. Cause I, I feel like I'm more focused after that as well. Yeah. I think that there's like, I think there's, there's some sort of scientific or scientific research on that, um, where it's like really beneficial to actually take a break. Like I remember when I was in university, I would just be like, I need to study, 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 study. And somebody was like, Oh, it's actually like really good for your brain. Like every, I don't even know how long it is every hour or something to take a 15 minute break. And I was like, no, it like takes me out of mm -hmm. my, my like zone of concentration then I have zone. to get back into it. Right. But I think that if you're working on something all day or, you know, you have to work for a certain amount of hours to get your projects done or whatever it is, I think that there is a lot of benefit to like step away from it, come back with a fresh brain. You can be more creative. You can feel better. You're breathing more. Your posture is better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And 
Um, something I can kind of relate to with that is kind of like binge watching. So whenever I find a show on Netflix um, that my boyfriend and I kind of just binge watch on, we'll just watch back to back to back to back to back for hours on end. And when I think about it afterwards, I kind of get lost in the detail of what happened during the show. Um, whereas if you just had, if you just watched an hour every week, you're more likely to kind of remember what happened and remember more of the details. So taking that into and putting that into your everyday life, once you're so involved and focused in one thing, there's, there's a lot more chances that you might miss on the details because you're so laser focused. But if you take breaks and you take um, moments of fresh air to stretch and relax and just have a coffee or just to give yourself a break, um, then I feel like you can be more productive. And even though it sounds counterintuitive to take a break to be more productive, um, I think it just allows your brain and your body just to um, just that break to reset and then come back when you're ready. Yeah, for sure. And so you started this corporate yoga business. Did you find that like the uptake was really good right away? Like businesses were really responsive to it? Um, it's it's difficult. Um, I'll say that because there are some companies who are really in, interested in it. And there are some companies that might not be a good fit. Um, so my biggest challenge with companies that, is that even if the employees and the managers want yoga in it, in their company or in their day, um, ultimately it comes from HR and the and the and the big bosses, like the executives. So if it's not in their budget or they don't feel like yoga is necessity, then they're probably just going to say no. So that was one of my biggest challenges with um, introducing yoga into offices. Um, I would have time and time again that you know employees and these these office managers were like, yeah, we would love to have you guys come. Um, I'll do trial classes and everything, but at the end of the day, it's still the the decision of budget or time or um, just the the owner of the company might not feel or think that yoga would be a good fit for them. So you just they'll just like cut it out. So that was one of the biggest challenges. But um, like what I mentioned before is if you kind of target to companies that are health conscious and health forward, then it's easier to kind of incorporate yoga with them because it's already in their, it's already aligned with what um, their values are. So once you don't, you don't really have to kind of explain why yoga would be good for their employees. They, they kind of already know. And chances are the um, HR people, the owners of the company will have already taken yoga and they know for themselves that it's a good fit for their company too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me that you've got to get kind of like the higher levels on board. I feel like that's kind of, you know, the downside of bigger corporate companies is it gets a little bit bureaucratic and they've got budgets they have to follow. And it's not just like, oh, can we do this? Yeah. We're interested. Okay, cool. We're going to pay. We're going to have it happen. Um, Right. What is kind of like the going rate for corporate yoga? Um, that's kind of hard to say because it it really depends on your location and it really depends on their budget. So, um, I've I've heard of these really big companies. I'm not going to say their name, but you've I'm pretty sure you've heard of them. But they would only offer about twenty eight dollars for a class, which is which I think is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like these smaller companies, which who offer up to like two hundred dollars a class. So it really depends on the value that they place on this yoga class. So kind of 
like what I was saying before is like these bigger companies who are um, more bureaucratic or the owners don't really understand the benefit of yoga, they'll probably place a lower monetary value on these classes. Whereas the smaller companies who, who have that vision to include yoga, to, to better their employees experience at work, they'll place more of a value, like a, they'll see it more of a value and they'll kind of pay more for it because they understand that it's long-term and it's not just like, um, like a one hour session and that's it. Um, it's, it's sort of like an investment on their employees and their well-being and their health. So that's where I see the, the connection with these smaller companies who are more health forward and health conscious. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, so if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, you know, I want to differentiate my brand and I want to do something, you know, outside of the box and not just teach at studios and they want to maybe go into the corporate world. Do you have any tips for how to, how to kind of approach that approach companies, um, negotiate those contracts or that payment and that sort of thing? Sure. So usually yoga teachers have a day job, um, before they start completely immersing themselves to teaching. So my suggestion would first to kind of just go to where you are already. Ask your own company that you work for to see if you can start teaching classes there and just kind of get your um, get used to it, get, te- get used to teaching um, workers or employees because it's a, it's a very different demographic than teaching at studios. Students who come to studios are they probably already know what everything is. They know about their body. They know their um, left and right. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you're in it and you're when you're new to yoga, especially with um, workers, they are they're listening to everything you're saying. But for them, it's really fast, um, so they kind of get confused into where left and right are. So um, with teaching corporate yoga, you're teaching to a demographic that's maybe about in their 30s and their 40s range and um, who do sit at their desk pretty much all day and have um, a, a medium uh, active lifestyle. So they're going to be more tight than your regular student who goes to a studio class. Um, so it will kind of be more of a basic class to an intermediate class that you'll have to teach. Um, and they'll listen to what you're saying, but they're not really listening because it's it's pretty overwhelming for them too. So you just kind of have to keep going, uh, speak slowly and um, make sure that you go around and correct postures if it's something that they can get injured on. Once you start being comfortable, feeling comfortable teaching classes at your own workplace, you can start asking your friends to see if um, their workplace would would want to add yoga to their uh, routine. Um, and once you feel comfortable with that, then you can start branching out to different local companies around your area and just to reach out to them. Um, I would ask to talk to a manager first and maybe HR and see what their thoughts are on that. Uh, what I've done in the past was I would actually go door to door to different companies and leave, leave my business card, leave a brochure of what I do and have a website on there too so that they can come back um, and, and um, connect with you if they're interested. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks for those tips. I feel like that's super helpful. I've never taught in the corporate space, so definitely good things to keep in mind. 
This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Fave Yogis. You've been hearing about Fave Yogis for a couple of weeks now. And Fave Yogis is really, really awesome because it was developed with yogis in mind. As a yoga teacher, it allows you to put up your events, your classes, and your workshops on the device and invite your students to come and find you. This means that students can find you from all over the world. On the flip side, if you're a practitioner, it allows you to sign up and find your favorite teachers. So I would highly encourage you, head on over to your app store, download Fave Yogis, F-A-V-Y-O-G-I-S, completely for free. Get started with the app. Enter in M-B-O-M to let them know that I sent you. So diving into a little bit about Yoga Boss Babe, what inspired you to create Yoga Boss Babe? What inspired me to create Yoga Boss Babe? Now that's a great question. I had been teaching for about five years and I was getting so many questions from teachers about how to get more classes. When I would ask them about how they were doing it currently, they would often just say that they would reach out to studios and just saw what happened. I realized that outside of studio teaching, many yoga teachers don't know how to get their name out there. Now at this time, I had already subscribed to other subscription boxes and I loved them. I love that it felt that like I was getting presents every month. I was listening to Carrie Green's She Means Business book and it all of a sudden clicked. I wanted to create something that teachers could get in the mail that was both fun and educational. And since I love to shop for presents, I thought this would be a great way to channel my strengths in a positive way. Inside every box, I make sure that there's an inspirational book that will promote personal growth and a business workshop so that can become more business savvy. Then I also include some fun goodies like self-care items, classroom accessories, and cute office supplies to inspire the hustle. We even have a private Facebook group where we have our book club and support one another's journeys. My hope for Yoga Boss Babe is to be an all-around box of goodies that will support and empower yoga teachers. Yeah, I love that idea. I think that it's it's one of those things where it's this like little thing that can go a long way. Like I think that sometimes when you think about like, oh, you know, having like a new essential oil or having, you know, that like new snack bar you can try seems like, or maybe the new notebook, whatever it is, seems like something that's so like little, but those things can really like make your day. Like you know, having that essential oil can like spice up your class or having your notebook to write your sequence in can be something that really like it changes sort of your mental landscape in a really positive way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, there are some there. I mean, if you go to Target or wherever and there are so many different types of notebooks, but um, for me, I would rather have a fun and inspirational notebook that has like a, a fun little quote on the outside. It's going to help me motivate me throughout the day versus like a, like a black notebook that just doesn't really say anything on it. Um, so I wanted to offer those fun and um, motivating tools to kind of help inspire the hustle um, and just keep keep it fun and keep it motivating. And that's, that's basically what I wanted to do with this. Yeah, I love it. And so what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've experienced since launching Yoga Boss Babe? One of my biggest challenges is marketing. So I don't have a marketing background, so I'm kind of doing this um, as I'm going. I'm learning as I'm going. Um, so a big one was Facebook ads. Um, that was a really big thing to. That was a really big topic to cover, um, and just social media as well. Um, I'm not one to post a lot on social media. I'm more of a looker. So putting myself out there and trying to figure out what to post every day was kind of daunting to me. Um, so I actually hired someone to come help me do that, to help me t- 
take that off my plate because that the social media aspect was, of that was very stressful for me because um, I really didn't know what to post. And I felt like having a social media presence is so important to a business because that's what keeps your uh, your clients, and your customers, and your fans out there, keeps them coming back to you and see what you're about. And going back to the whole branding, it, it really kind of um, speaks about speaks to who you are and what your company is about. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. So you have somebody who's doing your social media and your marketing. Do you feel like there's anything that you've learned from the things that they've encouraged them to do that you could share with listeners out there who are like, yes, I struggle with marketing too. So with my social media manager, her name is Jules. Hi, Jules. Um, So she posts Instagram posts every single day and she she kind of just has the reins on it. So every time I look to see what she posts, it it is really encouraging to what she posts because I don't really tell her what to say or anything. She just comes up with it. And it's such a great fit for her to be part of our team because she just, she gets it. She's also a yogi. Um, all of her captions, all of her quotes just fit perfectly into what we're about. And I mean, I'm just so lucky to have her. So yeah, definitely. I mean, I've followed you on social media, I think since we've connected, maybe even a little bit before you and I actually connected and um, I really like your account. So she's doing a really great job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank definitely. You. <laughs> Thanks, Jules. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Outside of uh, social media and marketing, have you experienced any other challenges through the process of launching Yoga Boss Babe? So one of the challenges I have with Yoga Boss Babe is sourcing the actual boxes. Um, so every month comes with maybe between four to six items to help motivate teachers, which includes a book, the workshop, and the different um, accessories and tools. So every month I think of a theme and I try to tailor all the products around that theme. So I have to um, reach out to different vendors, reach out to um, different yoga companies. Uh, for for October, I actually reached out to Manduka and we have a good uh, relationship and they love what we're doing. So I'm, I'm so grateful to have them on board with what we're doing. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the hardest part is sourcing the products that I feel would help the yoga teacher, help the recipient and make it so that it actually helps them with their, uh, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey, journey, instead of just giving them boxes of just things that they won't use. So, um, that's one of my biggest challenges is to get the right product in there because because I put so much of me into it um, that I hope it resonates with that when they open the box and they see everything in there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that would be one of the things that would be challenging because it's thinking about, you know, what would you like each month and then thinking about, you know, who else is purchasing them? What do they need? What do they want? And it, and also probably as, as you go along, like trying to differentiate each month too. Cause I feel like, you know, we have these ideas of like, Oh, I would love to get this. And then it's like, okay, next month, what would I like to get month after that? What do I want to get right. <laughs> a year down the road? What do I want to be getting? <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, it's like, once I get a month out, like once I get those boxes shit, I have like maybe a week or two before I do it again. And it's just like this process of once I ship it out, I'm like, I'm so exhausted from the month before I just have to, I have to remind myself to give myself a couple of days just to relax and just reset, take some yoga classes and just 
give myself a break um, before I dive back into it because it's it's kind of like a wave where um, in the beginning of the month it kind of starts up and it goes up until shipping day and then right after I'm so relieved that everything's out I'm done but then it comes back again so I just have to uh, mindfully tell myself to just relax and don't get too worked up because one of my issues is I get too involved and too focused and what we're talking about before I'll just sit at the computer all day and not um, give myself a break so I I really have to that's something I'm really working on yeah yeah definitely I can relate to that as well it's like oh wow I need to like (laughs) take care of myself and do something that's not (laughs) business focused Right. (laughs) (laughs) right I think though, like it shows how passionate you are about it and how much you like want people to receive those boxes and open them up and be like, wow, like I got this, like, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And what the feedback that I get from the boxes, um, whether it's on social media or through um, private messages, it just, it really, it makes me feel so humble to receive those messages because, um, it's just so great to hear what their experiences are and how it's changed their lives. And it just, it really motivates me to keep going. Um, and it's funny that I'll receive those messages when I'm kind of in my, in my rut where I'm kind of exhausted and I'll, I'll get an email saying, you know, I, I love your box. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. And you know, this has helped me a lot. Um, stuff like that. And it just helps me. It, those are the things that keep me going. So, um, it's just, it's great to hear those messages and it just reassures me that I'm, I'm on the right path. <laughs> yeah. I can like definitely relate to that as well. I think because like, I just put a podcast out there and like, I see download numbers. I know that people are listening, but sometimes I'm like, do they like it? Do they not like it? <laughs> right. Is it good? Is it not right. good? Like, I don't really know. <laughs> and then it's like the occasional email comes through that's like, oh my God, you really like helped me with this. And I'm like, okay, phew, <laughs> can keep going now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it just makes you keep going and it inspires me um, just to keep doing it. Cause I, I know I have these thoughts where I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> Is this really working? Um, and I'll have self doubt and um, just, it's not growing as as fast as I want it to grow or, you know, what if they don't like it? And I think, I think for me, since I'm so hyper-focused in it that I um, forget to kind of think back. But when, once I have that moment to think back and look back at what I'm doing, that's when I kind of start to think about um, where I'm at, where I want to grow this business. And that's the exact time when I'm getting these messages and it just, it comes at the right time. I'm not kidding you. Like, and it just, it helps me keep moving forward. And it's, it's really amazing to hear um, these stories. So thank you for everyone who, you know, messaged me. So it, it really helps. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like, it's, it's nice to have that external gratification sometimes when you are putting something out. I think especially digitally, cause like, you know, say you teach a yoga class, for example, you get this feedback kind of right away from your students. You know, they say thank mm-hmm. you, or they maybe give you a hug, or they say like, oh, I can't wait to see you next class or next week. And you kind of get this like, okay, great. Like they enjoyed it. You get this like moment where you can get some feedback. But I feel like when you put stuff out online, it's like, a lot harder to get that feedback because people are, you know, they're probably like at home opening their boxes, feeling super stoked and getting to take their goodies, you know, with them for their day or their weekend or whatever it is. But if they never actually tell you about that, it's like you don't get to share that experience with them. Right. I am nervous about 
being online because everyone is behind a computer screen. So some of the comments, I haven't received any yet, but some of the comments can be uh, not as motivating as I would want them to be. So I'm just kind of afraid of receiving those. So I haven't experienced this at MBOM, and I don't know if it's just because the yoga industry is more supportive or maybe it's just because it's a smaller podcast. But with our travel podcast, we get like, we don't get like a lot of hate. Like we definitely have, you know, we have like, I think four and a half stars out of five on iTunes, but there's just the occasional person who's clearly listened to like eight minutes of one episode. We almost have 200 episodes that are all an hour long. And they're just like, these two people are stupid or like, I hate these people or like, this is the worst podcast ever. And to me, I'm like kind of a sensitive person. And I'm like, you don't even know who I am. And you clearly don't create content because if you created content, you would never hate on me like this. But, um, (laughs) I was feeling kind of down about it. And somebody that I work with, with one of my um, consulting jobs was like, you know what? you know you've made it when somebody hates what you're doing. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you've got to be like... I mean, that's a good, yeah. that's a good tidbit. Yeah, I, I think it's like, it's still, that's I don't know. I think it still sucks when somebody like thinks something negative of something that you've kind of put your entire heart and soul into and that you're really passionate about. Um, but it kind of comes mm-hmm. back to that like idea that not everyone's going to like your teaching style. It's like not everyone might resonate with your content or your business. Um and I still don't think it's like good to hate on somebody else, but I think it does, you know, right. coming back to like, okay, if I'm reaching enough people for somebody to really hate what I'm doing so much to like leave me a bad rating or write me a bad comment, like, you know, that means I'm reaching a lot more people that will really love what I'm doing. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a great perspective to have. Um, I couldn't agree more with what you just said and, um, just to kind of add on to that, I kind of, it's just a constant reminder of, I'm not going to please everyone. It's okay if someone doesn't resonate with what my box is. Um, and it's okay. I just have to keep telling myself because that's just, that's, that's part of doing business. And like what I said in the very beginning of this podcast is you're not going to please everyone and it's completely okay. Just move on, right? Like mm-hmm. take it for as a learning experience, take it as constructive feedback to see what you could do better and um just make your product better and move on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that that's like all you can do from it. Um other than like maybe feeling sad, but I think that it's like better to look at it like, okay, you know, what can I learn from this? What can I do differently? If there's something maybe implementing that right. and other after, than that, moving on. After the after the initial, oh my god, this sucks. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely know that feeling. (laughs) So do you have any other like business lessons throughout your career that you've learned that you could share with somebody listening who's maybe a newer yoga teacher, um, or any other just lessons that you feel like are important to know from the, from the yoga business perspective? Sure. Um, basically I would just say, get out there, start teaching. Um, you'll find who you resonate with as a teacher, who you like teaching, um, and who resonates with you. So at first when I started teaching, I thought, oh, hey, I want to teach hot yoga. Um, but I found out that I really don't like teaching hot yoga to people around my age. I love teaching the corporate age, um, 25, 35, around 45 at age range, um, because just they're, they're 
their reaction to these classes are so motivating for me and so inspirational to me because I feel like I made a difference in their lives. I think that, you know, like everyone has kind of like a different age group or maybe a demographic that they um, resonate with. And I think that finding who that is for you and then kind of going in that direction is, is amazing. Right. So um, adding on to that, I think um, the more you teach, the more you'll find who your tribe is, the more you find who you like teaching to and who will follow you. And once you start to do that, you'll start to figure out what your brand is and what you kind of want to do with your, with your yoga career. Um, for me, it was kind of just merging my two passions together and kind of creating yoga best babe from that. Um, I know some of my subscribers, one of them, she's a, um, I think she's a microbiologist and she's a yoga teacher. So I'm trying to see how she could kind of, um, merge the, her two passions together. Or there's another subscriber that I have who she, she works in a jewelry line. Um, and she's just starting to do her yoga yoga teacher training now. So just try to see what your two passions are and align them because uh, like what we said before, there's so many, so many yoga teachers out there. And to be successful, I think you need to be unique. Um, find your niche, find what your passion is and merge it with yoga. See however way you can merge the two worlds together and that will be your brand and that will be your niche that people will follow you with. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's such great advice, especially since the yoga industry is pretty saturated. I feel like, yeah, look at what you love and then come up with a way that you can merge, you know, whatever your passion is outside of yoga with your passion of yoga. Right. Right. Amazing. Do you have anything else that you want to share today, Liz? Yeah, of course. Um, One last piece of advice I do want to share with everyone is just to be authentic in your teaching, be who you are. Um, Try not to mimic or try to be someone else that you want to be because more more chances than not, it's not going to come off right and it's going to come off um, inauthentically and you'll lose followers that way. So my piece of advice is just to own who you are, love who you are, love what you're doing and in that, you'll, you'll find out who you are as a person and everyone, you'll find the people who resonate with that and will follow you. Amazing. I love that piece of advice. And I think it's so important. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Liz. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Um, Where can people go to find out more about what you do about Yoga Boss Babe and that sort of thing? Sure. Um, So our website is www.yogabossbabe.com. And you can find us at Facebook um, slash Yoga Boss Babe and on Instagram at Yoga Boss Babe. And if you need to email me, you can do hello at yogabossbabe.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun talking to you. Awesome. All right, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it with Liz. It was so, so fun to get to know her a little bit better and to be connecting with her more. And you can look forward to more uh, episodes of the podcast sponsored by Yoga Boss Babe. I would definitely encourage you to go check out the subscription. Um, There's nothing better than getting a little box in your mailbox um, every single month that has amazing things to support your yoga business. Also, a huge thank you to my sponsors, Ceteris and Fave Yoga make sure you go check them out. As always, you can find more at www.mbom.com 
yoga.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Mastering the Business of Yoga and in the private Facebook community at Yoga Business Badasses. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and namaste.